bit of a yeah you're you're testing new product ideas right new yeah. new ways of, of doing it but with the understanding that all right <laughs> these could fail and they, they probably was, will fail yeah <laughs> that was the most important like what i my pitch was i'm pretty sure almost everything's going to fail but what i promise you is that we're going to advance our knowledge and we're going to leave behind assets that we can use to continue forward in the business Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. My name is Sergio Tijera. You can catch us each and every week on your favorite podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever you choose to check out your shows. And thank you so much for your support because Game Changers is now a top 2% podcast in the world and we couldn't have done it without you. So this week, my guest is James Putra. He's a vice president of product strategy at TradeStation Crypto. And it's a cryptocurrency specialist and blockchain thought leader focused on helping people find innovative ways to participate in this space. He's actively involved in a cryptocurrency investing, as well as a key industry advocate for the launch of exchange listed blockchain products. He's often described as the guy with the crazy idea that might actually work. Incredibly creative dude. And as director of strategy and innovation for TradeStation Technologies, James is active in the blockchain community with speaking engagements, TV appearances, educational content, and mentoring. Uh, he co-founded a blockchain strategy group focused on advising companies to develop blockchain knowledge through innovation projects. And he has over 15 years of experience in the fintech and innovation space through a number of startups and corporate roles. So welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sergio, for having me. I'm honored and humbled to be here. Well, you, you've got you've got a really interesting background, and you know a lot of your background has been in the fintech space, in trading, and so forth. And now you're combining that into the crypto space as well. But before we get into all that, tell me about a little bit about your background. You know, where did you come up from, and how did you get involved with all this? So I had a, a an awesome childhood. Um, I grew up all around the world. My family is from Malaysia, England, uh, the US. I had four sets of grandparents growing up. So I had just such a cultural mix of influences in my life. And it's probably one of the most important shaping factors for me uh, that just taught me to think globally and be really more well-rounded and to respect other, other people. Um, I got my way into FinTech financial services kind of an accident. Um, my stepdad at the time, he was trying to get me interested in trading. I was probably 18 years old and he was telling me that you got to trade you got to trade you got to trade and i was just like there's no way that this is possibly cool if my dad does it there's just no possible way over time he wore me down i bought a little bit of best, best buy shares and lo and behold made some money and uh, greed kicks in addiction kicks in and that just sort of sent me down this path and um i've always had an entrepreneurial side it was never really one that was like signing me up for a job that's just in the box so I always found myself doing some super interesting things. And along the way, I worked with and helped launch a company that does uh, equity and options trading signals. And the company was four mm -hmm. employees, or I was employee number four. We grew that, sold it, um, 
probably the awesome, like one of the most interesting experiences of my life, but also one of the worst things you could do for a 25 year old is give them success right out of the gate of college. <laughs> so this is easy. We can, yeah. we can replicate anyway, this all day. Uh, I did launch a hedge fund after that. Uh, also did pretty good, but then housing crisis came in. Part of the fund was in housing and just was not really like bad time to be in the hedge fund business. Uh, I shifted my focus over to going into more retail mass market as opposed to kind of being on the trading desk. And I found my way over to E-Trade where they wanted help to launch a Forex trading uh, business. And through having done the startups before and launching other businesses, which is kind of a natural fit that I, I traded FX. So they want to get in the FX business. And that was a good launching pad for me. And I did that for about a year. And you know, California is awesome. I loved it at the time, uh, but it was expensive. And I missed my family back here in, in Florida. And I had a chance sure. to get uh, a job with TradeStation. And they wanted someone to come in and help them run their U.S. business active trader platform, as well as go to Japan and launch a Japanese trading business. And I thought, sounds great. It's like kind of, I just did it here. Let me go over to TradeStation. Um, I did that, got them up and running with the Japanese equities trading business, came back to the U.S. after I was spending, I said, a lot of time on planes back and forth to Japan. Uh, so you lived there in Japan for some time, right? Not really lived. It was just a lot of time in hotels. Uh, but it was such a super interesting experience because, you know, trading is common all around the world. We are all driven by fear and greed, but mm -hmm. there's so many nuances and just presentation that makes a big difference. I learned that there's 13 different ways to say the word buy in Japan. And uh, so it depends if you're going to buy with cash, buy on credit, buy on margin. Buy, and so, you know, you have one wow. and you got to put the word buy there. And there's 13 different ways to say it. So, you know, you learn a lot of very cool things and, um, very humble, you know, you, I went over there thinking I knew everything about trading and, and getting there. It's a definitely a different customer base, although they have the same motivations, but how you connect with them is very different. And, and that was eye opening to me to really learn how to, uh, develop a marketing message an operational flow, a customer service business. How do you build all those things that are culturally appropriate for Japan, as well as even screen presentations. And that broadened my eyes much further beyond the sort of U.S. markets, and it was it was awesome. Um, then I came what back were, to what, what were some of the biggest differences, the, the most eye-opening things that you didn't see coming, that you had a challenge with? So in Japan, from a kind of organizational perspective, the highest ranking member in the room can make a statement, and that is the statement of fact for everybody in the room. So you'll notice that in meetings often, when you have these senior executives, they're not going to speak up. Uh, if for some reason the CEO came in and said, instead of doing the financial services software today, we're going to do widgets. The entire organization pivots towards widgets because that's the direction that the, the key guy wants to go, uh, which is super amazing to watch, but also challenging to kind of navigate. That's um, right. You know, from the U.S., like I walk into our CEO's office and I'm like, "Hey, I don't think this is a good idea. We need to do this, and we can have a dialogue." And it's just not culturally appropriate in Japan. Uh, fortunately, our CEO in Japan was went, went to school in the, in the Western world, um, former Goldman Sachs. So he's used to this and it didn't look like too ugly of an American going in there and talking about the businesses. But uh, so it, it was just a really cool experience to go through there um, and really figure out how to connect with that, that Japanese yeah. customer and build something that was meaningful and useful for them. That, that must have been such a challenge, but but such a growth opportunity for you. So you, you did that for some time. You set that up. 
And then another I came back to trade station and after you pass out the business, so you spend you know, days and nights and weekends working on something and you birth this thing and then you come back to your normal job and they're like, well, it's just kind of boring. Like, what Not am I doing here? <laughs> no one, you, know, you only want me to work nine to five. So I started looking around for different things and I noticed that there was a problem in the brokerage firm that, you know, in financial services, it's very hard to experiment. There's so much regulation. There's so much, uh, you know, you're dealing with people's money and trust. So you don't want to just test stuff. Like it's not a great idea. Yeah, to it's not a good beta <laughs> spot. <laughs> and, and so you don't have a lot of leeway to be wrong. And and I, we were trying to reshift the strategy of the organization. We've historically gone off the day traders and we wanted to go after demographic that was not necessarily tethered to the computer, somebody that worked full time, but also traded very actively and trying to figure out how do you shift whole product suite that is geared around someone that's like 12 screens sitting at a desk to someone that's like me and you that are going to run between meetings and place trades. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of a whole mindset, the whole shift around the organization. And we did have a good way to experiment. We did have a good way to look at the data. So I pitched this innovation lab and convinced them that I'm going to go and do all these projects. Almost all of them are going to fail, but we're going to develop and move our business forward through these different experiments. And um, so it's a bit of a, yeah, you're, you're testing new product ideas, right? New, yeah. new ways of, of doing it, but with the understanding that, all right, uh, these could fail and that they it probably was, will fail. Yeah, <laughs> that was the most important one. Like what I, my pitch was, I'm pretty sure almost everything's going to fail. But what I promise you is that we're going to advance our knowledge and we're going to leave behind assets that we can use to continue forward in the business. And out of that, we built our entire data analytics program. So we have now a pretty good BI uh, setup that's doing crunching on our data, looking at it across all the customers, being able to see what's going to happen with them. Uh, we did things in that group like predicting when customers are going to leave, what do they need? Um, you know, I have a lot of data. So if you know, Sergio, if you're trading every day and you if you trade every day on Tuesday, sorry, if you trade every day and Tuesday at 10 o'clock, you lose every Tuesday. Maybe I should tell you, like, how about I send you an email about some education or do something to distract you so you don't trade at 10 o'clock. Those kind of things were what we were experimenting with that later went on to become our real core analytics program around how do we look at all the information we have and how do we make a, the customer experience better with that information. And you're looking at the behaviors and analyzing behaviors and seeing if you could help nudge in different directions. I mean, that that yeah. is micro, <laughs> real... <laughs> tight analysis, huh? Yeah, and, and it's it's difficult because as brokers, we can't really suggest or nudge. What we would want to do though is, if I see that you've lost a number of trades in a row, I'm gonna want to send you something that maybe builds your spirits back up, gets you some education. If I see that you're uh, enjoying equities, maybe we want to service you some things around different trade ideas that you can do. So it's trying to put things that are within your view that might be of use for you. So that was one big thing that came out of it. The other thing was the crypto business. Um, we went to the MIT Media Lab, I want to say 2014, um, and we were presented with Bitcoin. Uh, it was very cool. We, we went in there. We thought this is really interesting. We also were presented with a camera that could see around corners. It could read a book without opening the cover. Uh, I played with a Skype session that let me shake the hands of somebody on the other side of the world. Wow. All very, very cool stuff, right? Like, come on, how long is it going to take for that to become commercially viable? So right. I bucketed Bitcoin in that, in that same um, 
in that same kind of category, category. right? <laughs> yeah, and little by little, that just sort of festered inside of us. And myself and the CEO were talking about it, bouncing it around. Some folks in the organization were interacting with it. And uh, I got convinced by a friend of mine, probably about a year later, to trade Ethereum. And that's when I was really like head in hooked. Uh, I bought Ethereum, I want to say like $20, which I thought was expensive at the time. And I sold it at 40. I thought I was a hero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hindsight, I probably should have held the position, but I was still a yeah. good trade. Uh, the, what that did for me, though, was it opened my eyes that all of the things I have learned over my career as a trader from technical analysis, chart patterns, discipline, psychology, played extremely well in crypto and much better for me than it did for equities. And that's when I just was down the proverbial rabbit hole, as, as I kind of like to say. And what was promised. it about Ethereum that caught your attention? It was pure greed. I made money, just like the Best Buy trade. I, I made okay. money. I doubled my position. That was enough that got me interested. And then I was, I'm you know, part of my personality is I'm a knowledge junkie. I devour knowledge everywhere possible. And then, so okay. as soon as you start to scratch the surface on crypto or Ethereum, as an example, there's so much to learn and so much to see. Right. It just it plays to that knowledge desire and same thing with bitcoin it just plays that knowledge desire and got me really excited about that space and i can't How do you, let, let me ask you because it, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about this that um either you know ha have a very surface level view and understanding of blockchain and crypto and so forth and have a difficult time seeing the opportunities seeing being able to just wrap their mind around nft where it, you know it's a digital asset the more you spread it out the more valuable it becomes the more recognizable it becomes and so forth but if people are, when you're stuck in your traditional ways of thinking like you buy a piece of art you'd like to hang it on your wall you don't invite half your block to come in and look at it how would you recommend that people shift that mentality to be open and and find ways to say okay how am i going to incorporate this into my life and because it, it is coming and it, it, it's already here, but I think it's such infant stages at this point. We're still like in the early internet uh, of, you know, stage of, of now what's what Web3. Yeah. So I think it's a very good question. And, you know, it's my whole career has been really around trying to help people find out a more understandable way into different spaces like this. And if the question is how... How does somebody open their mind beyond what they currently know to be able to see the possibilities, right? Take the blinders mm -hmm. off, so to speak. And uh, it's a big challenge. And what I see happening is this technology and pace of change has gone so fast that it's it's not even like you had an incremental chance to go from your flip phone to an iPhone. Right. This is like a massive shift. And you know, cryptocurrency has scared a lot of people, made a lot of people wealthy and changed the game in many ways. Now you add on NFTs and it's such a total mind shift of how you think about the world in terms of what culture is, what is value, what is that that you're going to show off and interact with. And, and a lot of people are still stuck in that, wait a minute, Apple is in my retirement account and I'm holding it. And so Apple is a company that does a quarterly report and um, so it's a real big challenge. Um, how do you open up your eyes? I think that 
the most important thing is just to recognize that change is inevitable and it's happening and it's happening much faster than any of us can really comprehend and realize um, the yeah. shifts in in crypto we we joke it's like light speed you know one mm -hmm. year in crypto is like a 10 or 15 year career but it happens so quick um, the idea about nfts and where it really misses most of the people okay. in the u.s well like crypto missed most of the people in the u.s because we've got a great banking system well we have a solid banking system correct right yeah 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 it's not optimal um, in the in the nft space where it's missing a lot of people is is more on a demographic divide than a um than so much on like participation of financiers or not the the interesting part is that the nfts are really a way to tokenize your culture and to flex and posture i i talked to my dad about this i said you drive a nice car you like to drive that around you've got a nice watch when you go out at night you put on a nice suit and when you get together with your friends, they're like, hey, nice watch, nice car. Uh, I don't have a nice watch. I wear a Fitbit. Um, but I got some nice NFTs. And in my culture, <laughs> my community, having that artwork or having those being part of those communities is valuable and something that we share in common. And um, it's not so much about just displaying artwork. I think that's where we've gone wrong in explaining this is that it's not just a jpeg um, mm -hmm. it's not just a digital version of art the way that communities are being built on top of these nft groups is phenomenal and yeah it's creating these just ecosystems and small subcultures that are all getting together around some idea you know illuminati is an interesting one it's around a kind of an idea and they start to become these human games well human games are a bad word but it's like um, a real life game instead of playing a board game like Monopoly or going out to your computer and playing Call of Duty you're actually engaged in treasure hunts or types of information seeking and you're part of these groups Board Ape Yacht Club is another one they have this ticket to this community and it's become a status symbol and which one is that you said Board Ape Yacht Club oh the Board Ape yeah they're the most the famous yeah, of course uh, the the one that I was able to so with my CEO that resonated yeah. the most was the Australian Open and you could buy a piece of the court, get a tennis mm. ball, and every time the tennis ball hits your square and scores a point, you get a point. And really? you get some value. And the ones that have the most value at the end of the game are gonna get a physical tennis ball. So you're you're engaged in the sport, you're participating. Interesting. It's an NFT, but you don't have to worry that it's like this weird image that you don't understand. It's yeah. kind of, you right, know I right. own the square. And so, I don't know. I'm rambling on a little bit, but no. But one that... one of the interesting things that I, I find with that is that is you know, listening to to Gary V and he made a great point. He says right now, in this NFT world, the the novelties on the front end and the utilities on the back end. But in about five years, companies are going to figure out how to put the utility on the front end, and you know that the art or whatever that is, it's a novelty, but it gives you let's say access, right? It's almost like buying a ticket to a club, a, a community, a tribe that you want to be a part of, that. And like you said, it's it's giving uh, individuals the ability to say sell their their ideas, their IP, and everyone could participate in and in, in investing in that individual and their idea. Like Board Ape, if you owned one of those NFTs, just because of the the sheer popularity of it, now all of a sudden it's you know ten, a hundred, a thousand fold. 
it, it, it's super interesting for me. One piece that got me hooked on this space, besides making a little bit of money, because that's always seems to be my gateway. Sure, to, sure. Um, but that'll be the entry for for most people, right? That, yeah. that they get into crypto because oh, they see the opportunity. They're chasing the dollars. Then you got to kind of figure out, okay, well, what, what am I doing in this space? The the part that's super interesting for me about this is today, if you look at our models with companies and brands, it's really designed to extract value from the consumer. So. I have a clothing brand. I want to sell you stuff. I'm getting your money and your value is the clothing, but I'm extracting value from you. And this NFT world is a little bit different. It's the actual brand must find ways to enrich the value of the holders or the holders will not come. And so they're creating mm -hmm. this reverse pattern where you need to find a way that your participants can gain and can garner value out of it. And that's super interesting because it completely reverses the model and makes community building and makes the brands invested in giving value, tangible value to their, to their individual customers. And that's super unique and super important. And it's definitely shifting the way a lot of uh, companies think about how to approach this uh, building products and services. Now at, at TradeStation, one of the things that you all do aside from all the the traditional investing and and uh, things like IRAs is that you're allowed to hold crypto in in these accounts as well mm -hmm. and offline we were talking about can you imagine okay holding crypto in your IRAs and i had i had not thought about that honestly and i'm sure 99.9% of the people out there have not even considered that what are the ramifications of that you know tell me more about that tax advantages things like that Certainly. How so does that kind of work? Last year, uh, I traded a lot on my individual crypto account. I got a tax file that was like somewhere around 700 pages of all my transactions, only the sell transactions. So it was a lot. Each wow. one of those are potentially taxable event. And each one of those I need to report a cost basis back to the IRS on my individual account. So it's quite burdensome. That is just a, a normal individual account. Yeah, that was because I was trading like a maniac. So Quite most people don't trade that. But <laughs> even if you have one transaction, you're going to get a file. You got to report to the IRS, sure. and there's some taxable event. Uh, underneath an IRA, all of that is deferred because an IRA works it, like real simply. An IRA is a container that is going to defer your tax liability to some future date. And right. there's different variants that you can have, but let's just take the basic IRA. Whatever you put into that IRA. And whatever you invest in in that IRA appreciates tax deferred and you're only taxed when you take it out at retirement. Right. So think about my example. If I traded that however many thousands of trades in my IRA, I report zero of it to the IRS. I don't have to give anything to the tax man because I'm mm -hmm. going to wait until I'm 65, 70, whatever the retirement age is. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity where you can have your assets grow in a tax deferred manner and then take them out strategically at retirement so that you're not getting penalized on large taxes. I mean, today, short-term capital gains is 40%. If you mm -hmm. trade it on an individual basis under an IRA, that's all deferred. And hopefully in the next, I'm 40, so hopefully by the time I'm retiring, they figure out this taxes and it's no longer capital gains, it's something else. But you know, I can move that down the line. So what's really nice is that it creates this protective shell that provides definite tax advantages for your investments inside of that container. And uh, what we saw was an opportunity in the space because 
What do you do with your crypto? How, what do you want to do with your retirement? Do you want to hold that in some type of retirement account? We already offered IRAs for equities and options and futures, and we thought natural extension. Let me just open this up and let people hold crypto underneath that, underneath that IRA. And so today, our company offers a product that has equities, options, and futures under that IRA. And you can go and trade as much as you want, as little as you want. It all kind of grows in that tax advantage container. Uh, we saw that. Like, why do we want to do it? If you go back to what how you typically have to open up an IRA for crypto, it's pretty brutal. It involves an LLC, it involves mm -hmm. a custodian, it involves a tremendous amount of fees. Um, and it's kind of contrary to what like we believe is like everything should just be as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. like, I don't want Sergio to worry about his accounting and his the LLC and the filings. I sure. Just focus on your investments. That should be all you have to do. Let us handle all that nonsense behind the scenes. Right. Now, if if you qualify for, let's say, a Roth IRA where you could you could pay with after-tax dollars and then you, you pay it in and your growth then is not going to be taxed, wouldn't that be advantageous considering just the, the, let's say, the macro growth trend that if we believe that crypto over the long term is going to stick around and is going to go up in value, isn't it better to buy your crypto holdings now be a Roth, pay your taxes now. That way you don't have to pay on the gains on the back end. We probably should talk about an IRA, the Roth IRA versus traditional IRA. And that a Roth IRA is taxed based on your initial tax bracket. So money going in is post your payroll. So if I earn $100, I pay payroll taxes and I can put into the mm -hmm. Roth IRA. Right. And You've already I paid. I take it. it out without any taxes, which is phenomenal. Uh, so if the other IRA, you pay, you don't pay any taxes on the way, any pay taxes on the way out. So right. Roth is such a such an awesome tax advantage if you can take advantage of it. Because yeah, if you're within the, the range, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, there's criteria. And if you can get into that, that's, I mean. So what percentage, what percentage, I don't know if you know this or not, but what percentage of clients in TradeStation actively hold crypto in retirement accounts? It, and has have, when did you guys start doing that and you see it growing? So we launched in December 2021. So it's a new new offering for us. Uh, yeah, literally a month. So we just you just yeah. basically launched it. Okay. So I mean, everything's like hundred, like everything looks like this, but it's <clears throat> um, it's very rapidly growing as you'd expect that any kind of new mm. thing to to take off. Um, it's hard to give the percentages, but what we do see is that the the ratios are interesting. So we thought that we would see. Yeah, traditionally in an IRA for our business, we're going to see that it's about, um, well, we forecasted 30% crypto, 30% cash, 40% securities. And it's like, it's reversed. It's something like 40% crypto, 30% uh, crypto, 40% cash, 20% securities. So, wow. And now to be fair, that's the nature of the type of person that's jumping in because Correct. they tend to be more Right. It's not the leader. traditional investor. But what's super interesting for us is that let's say you hold a, an equity IRA uh, and you're holding cash because you don't want to trade. You can hold stable coins one to one for the dollar and earn six percent or whatever the rates are. So, mm -hmm. so much interesting opportunity beyond just the growth appreciation. That's fantastic. Uh, I mean, definitely with us, but there's other a lot other IRA offerings that are starting to emerge. It's a ten trillion dollar space, so it's a lot of pie to chew up, and there's going to be more and more folks come into the place to, uh, to go after that, that uh, opportunity. So James, you, what 
I, I asked this to all my guests, and we're going to shift gears a little bit here as we, as we wrap up. Was there a, a moment in your life that was a game-changing moment for you that really either, you know, lit the light bulb in your head, you, you had an epiphany, um, was, you know, something that really launched your career or your way of thinking? W was there a moment like that in your, in your career that you can talk about? I think it was a kind of a not a specific singular moment. Uh, there were a lot of things that built up to it. Um, I had a mentor, kind of a wild dude, but he really pressed me hard around thinking, uh, application of logic, application of learning, uh, pressed hard on speed reading and how to consume information and, and learn it as quickly as possible and put me down that path, which was like, my desire for knowledge amplified and just just in a crazy amount of desire mm -hmm. to grow that information. So I probably over a period of about four or five years without really knowing it developed all these individual tools and capabilities like speed reading, like um, uh, how does the brain work? How does the subconscious work? How, how do you apply logic? And all those pieces come together at this very interesting, like, holy cow, well, I can, you can drop me anywhere in the world in any situation. I'm going to figure out how to come up with some gold in that situation. And that is so powerful. I mean, that moves from kind of a victim mentality to I'm in the driver's seat type of type of thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing that a lot these days where people are, are kind of waking up in the sense that they're, they're, they've been in roles that, that they're kind of tired with, you know, they're, they're the great resignation, this whole thing that's going on and uh and moving into a new space but that requires uh, a lot of courage a lot of guts because you're getting out of your comfort zone and having that mindset that mentality that where like you said you can be dropped into any situation any conversation and know how to swim know how to how, how to uh come up with ideas in that space is is incredibly powerful so mm -hmm. what are i mean are there some exercises are there is there an approach are there some books that you recommend that people read yeah but what would you say so there's a few that i really liked um you know the things that there's some concepts in quantum physics that are kind of interesting and quantum physics is not as scary as you think it's um there's a guy called dr fred allen wolf probably one of the most interesting people i've listened to uh, he talks about this concept where there's a master and a slave and you yeah. cannot be both so picture your mind in your mind, you've got an elephant and a person riding the elephant. You can be one of those two. Is your mind, are you the person driving your mind or is your mind driving you? And so that was such an interesting concept to me because it starts to take you down this path of, you know, I control my own thoughts. I understand, you know, what I'm trying to do. And I really quickly got to a place where emotions, while they feel real, are not real. They're just Kind of thoughts and pieces so how do you control your emotions and um so i would say definitely check out fred allen wolf there's a book called super brain power and there's a book called optimal thinking and there's a book called being logical if you start there you're going to be in really really good shape um those are going to really help focus on thinking and in my opinion that's the most important thing you can do because once you can know how to use your own brain and your own thought process you can do a ton of stuff and you start to realize where your weaknesses are and how do you apply them. Uh, that was an awesome, 
awesome learning for me. And mm. Just learning how to use my subconscious. I mean, you ever had that aha moment? Uh, exactly. If you have that aha moment, your subconscious is just designed to do all these crazy combinations of all the thoughts you have. And eventually it hits on something and it says, hey, is this valid? And sometimes it is, a lot of times it's not. And so if you figure out, if you're working on a problem, you know, they always say go to sleep, but I intentionally throw this to my subconscious. I'm like, hey, I don't know the answer. I'm going to pass this to my subconscious. I'll come back to it once I get an answer. And I would say it's, it's almost not failed me that usually within a day or two, something pops in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's what I was looking for. And I'm able to move on. You know, that is so powerful. And, and that's one of the things that uh, that we focus on in this Game Changer community that that we're launching here in uh, in about a month or so. And I'm going to have to have you on as a guest panelist for the for the member group, because there's so much to go into in that space. But like you're right, I think people tend to be limited by their thinking, right? What's between the ears? It's not their their physical or mental abilities. Obviously, people are brilliant, but we tend to hold ourselves back through a lot of our fears and unconscious, you know, biases and so forth. So having that understanding of how to use the tools to get in there and rewire, rework your 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 thinking has a huge impact on your career and your success long term. So just happiness too. you know, it's, it's remarkably peaceful when you can figure out what's going on in your own mind. <laughs> and that is that is absolutely imperative right right now especially with the mental health uh, and and the fact that there's so much information coming at us from all angles especially social media in terms of you know are, are we as good as as everyone looks on social media you tend to get down about that exactly you understand how this framework works then you can manage your your emotions and happiness in, in a much better way james you've been awesome my brother thank you for being on trade station you guys are doing some amazing things and i love the way you think uh like i said we're going to have you in in the community for sure and what's you know what's the future here for you and and the company so we're on to some really interesting things i i can't go into a ton of detail from the company perspective sure. but i can say that um how you think of trade station today is definitely not how you're going to think of trade station uh, by the end of the year uh, we've got a lot of super interesting things happening right here in Miami. Uh, we're making a lot of big investments out here and changes in sort of what we can do, how we operate. Uh, the scale of the business is definitely something that should be uh, considered in terms of what's up for me personally. That's hard to say. Uh, I know I'm very confident it's going to be something exciting and crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I always say I'm not smart enough to say no, and so it usually gets me down some interesting uh, adventures. Um, but I will be on this path of knowledge seeking and, and continued growth. As um, every day, I try to learn a little bit of something. I, I learn something from you. I, you know, every chance I get, I just try to learn something, and uh, I'll see where that goes. Uh, I am focused on doubling my capabilities and my um, my influence and impact in the space, and really just looking to give back and try to help build some more communities and help other people that are trying to come up, uh, have find their way and find some uh, good things. Yeah. To to. Get 1% better every day, guys. Be a game changer in your own life, ed invest in your own education, like you said, and be a game changer in someone else's life. Make sure to share this with one of your friends or colleagues or family members who needs to hear it. James has a wealth of information. You can find more information at tradestation.com. 
as well as Pucha.com. You can find information on him. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable, so I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives.